0: For I have touched the hem of his garment. Father, thank you for this morning once again. Thank you for the truth of your word that is revealed to us. each time we come to study. Lord, we pray you will speak to us this morning. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, right? Okay. But I promised yesterday we would start studying the scriptures. Hallelujah. Mm. i don't know seeing my soul okay let's quickly run through the scriptures as briefly as we can so that we can see what is on god's mind for all this man uh, for some things i've been running a series of teachings, and that should be for about um, eight weeks now, like two months ago. And my concern has been that we should review God. I mean, we should study God because how healthy your life is, is determined by how accurate your knowledge of who God is is
1: how accurate your knowledge of the person of god is so amongst everything you've got to
0: find out for yourself in this world is to research into god and may i tell you this that that research is not an empty research it is going to be um, a research with the world as time goes by. So,
1: you are going to be very fortunate if what you preoccupy yourself with outside or
0: aside your commitment in church is to actually um, develop a personal relationship, I mean, a relationship with the Father, you know? This relationship had been activated, okay?
1: But you have got to um, spend time to find out the essence of this relationship so you won't
0: uh, miss out. You know, if there's anything the Lord gave me this week for you and for me, it is to
1: declare the fact that even what the Holy Ghost can Accomplish in the life of a believer is minimal without knowledge in other words no believer
0: can be better than the proportion of his knowledge of God and what is becoming a thing of concern to me is that um, the church of today is known with activities
1: uh, but little knowledge of God um we are known with messages teachings of different kinds but that do not center on god we have paid the pains of teaching people how they ought to um manage their relationship how the ought to manage their homes how the ought to manage their businesses how they ought to manage their relationships i mean um they are, Interpersonal relationship, but we have not taught them who God is. We've got to know that we are relating with God, and until we know that we are relating with God, I tell you, our relationship will then come prosperous. And you know, if at all anyone wants to be successful, whether material success, whether financial success, uh, we've got to know that God is the source and how much we know of him um determines what we are going to get from him okay so i'm trusting the
0: holy ghost to help me this morning i thought i would be speaking on the subject salvation and its um, relevance to faith Uh, but then um, what i have on the scheme here is grace and its products the goal of God in redemption and salvation okay um, let's go to the scriptures But I want to say that the focus this morning is to let you know the fact that God is not just curious to give you gifts he had given you himself and he wants to give you himself you've got to be conscious of that so um, God is the best gift you can ever have and you must be concerned in having name all right okay let's look at grace and products in four minutes I'm just trying to check how um, good I am this morning before I begin to talk okay let me read from Ephesians chapter 1. You know, there are some scriptures that have stayed around. I told the Holy Ghost to give me instances and pictures from the Old Testament. Okay. I read Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings.
1: Okay. In heavenly place or places in christ it should be in heavenly place all right according as he has also in him before the foundation of the world as according to according as this four again let me read this i'm skipping words according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abundant toward us in all reason and providence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has proposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which
0: are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in him. Now this morning I'm talking on the product of salvation. That is what we gain,
1: or uh, what the grace of God has given to us. Okay, and we have got to see these products because if what you call grace have, has not handed um, all these products to you, then you know that you have received the wrong gospel. <laughs> it's very necessary. People are just preaching all kinds of things here. Okay? No. I know. I know. I'm just trusting on the Holy Ghost. There are matters at the bottom of my heart. But I don't know. I'm expecting God to give me a trance. And maybe I need to stir them or to inflame them. See, all kinds of teaching. Okay? Um, some people believe
0: that grace is the liberty to do anything you you want to, or that grace, um, make you to be um, prosperous or make you to uh, have those things that should not be yours naturally.
1: That when you win an employment, you won it because of grace. And when somebody walk up your way and then you just yes, that is it to so some extent. That is the regular usage of it in everyday life. But I told you the scriptures are unique. And you cannot just try to import meaning to any words that are used in the scriptures. You've got to look at the context, the content, and the intention of the speaker. So when the writer says grace be multiplied, or he says that the grace of God that brought salvation had appeared to all, we have got to see that um, what God has to accomplish or plan to accomplish by grace. So in these scriptures, we begin to see what the grace of God does and what it should do for you. And if there's anything you text in your life to have, in your entire destiny, there must be these things. Okay, and that is why I'm saying that the subject I'm reflecting on this morning is the products of grace. What? You know, everything in the world is described by its characteristics. That reminds me of the word of Jesus Christ. He said, look, he said, a tree is known by its fruit. So the product of a tree is the fruit. You know, that sometimes, you know, there was a particular time, you know, I've, I've, I've come up with this instance and I'm going to relate. There was a particular time in the past we had um, an orange tree in our house and the place it was planted uh, gave that orange tree advantage to grow very quickly. So it was growing and it seems everybody in the community was watching the growth of that orange tree. But our confusion all the while, when it was growing, was that we don't actually know the kind of orange it was. Whether it was a grape, or it was a tangerine, or it was a lemon, we can't really see. But we were were curious for years. Okay, because there are kinds of. Then, after a while, you see, uh, the orange came up with flowers an indication that it will soon bring forth fruit. So we were very joyous. And in a little while, the flowers faded off, then the fruit started coming up. We were very curious too. We had to wait until those fruits came to maturation. In fact, we were very disappointed. When the fruit, I mean, when those flowers faded off and those little balls were coming out, you know it's an orange, but we don't know the kind. And after a while, the whole thing went down. We were bothered Then, we, we got to know that sometimes when oranges are, are coming up, the first product used to be a waste. They would just went out. Then we waited for the other um, season, so it came up. Then we would not even wait until those fruit come into a maturation. We begin to pluck them, just to know the kind. And when we would open it, we found out that it was a tangerine. Okay, it was the state government that had to approve that trade later on. What I'm saying is that everything in the world is described by its futures. I mean, futures, its characteristics, its nature. So, it's the gift of God too, you know. Apostle James says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. In whom there is no veribleness, no shadow of thorn. And I'm quoting Apostle James now. What is Apostle James telling us? It's not just telling us that gift came from God. But it's telling us the nature of the gift. In other words, you can identify the workings of God in your life and the life of others by looking at a trait. Right? Look at the way the ancient preacher said it. Solomon. He said that the blessings of the Lord makes you rich. Now, check the word Blessings which is in the Hebrew word there, um, the word Barak. The acknowledgement, the blessing, the geology of God, the smile of God, makes rich and adds no sorrow. So when I begin to have a mixture of things of sorrow, of heartaches and headaches in what I call a blessing, I can know it's not a blessing. So I don't say, hey, I want... Unemployment, and when I want an employment, uh, my boss wanted to sleep with me, and I was just trying to struggle whether to sleep with him or not, or maybe later eventually I had to sleep with him, and the employment was granted. But I said it's the blessings of God. That is not the blessing of God. In today's generation, we have people who have been involved in frauds who have forced five figures in their offices and keep up with tons of millions and to come back to the church to, 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 to share the testimony, calling it the grace of God or the, the favor of God. That's not the grace. So every good and perfect gift. Now, check that descriptions. That is by this nature we know what God is doing or we know what comes from God because there is no variableness within him. Anything it gives, take on the nature of him that gives it. So when... Um, we begin to see the scriptures before this morning. Apostle Paul wants us to understand the concept of grace. He had written so extensively on, he, on it. And there he, he, he had begun to show us the loving kindness by the grace of God. But then he wants us to know what the grace gives. So that your ideology will not just be materialism. You know one of the problems of uh, the church of God in Nigeria is, is, is poverty. And when we come to the church to... To study the world, that begins to, to govern what we hear our pastors say. When they are teaching all the word of God, you are hearing something else entirely. Because we believe that anything that God has in store for us has to do with material benefits. Okay? So when the pastor comes to preach grace, you are thinking of money. thinking of employment you're thinking of um, a better relationship you're thinking of things you have been longing to get so god now become a means for acquiring things it is an erroneous belief well it is the um the the political ideology that um uh, our government is driven by that actually led to that but it's high time we begin to address it that godliness is not gain well By that scripture, Apostle Paul meant to say that, look, the fact that you have come to God does not mean that material things will will be amassed by you. That is not the goal of God. I kept on saying this. I don't want to care what anybody is saying. That God's goal in giving Christ is not fix your physical well-being. It's your spiritual well-being. He wants to bring you to himself because that is the greatest need everybody needs. We can talk about finance, we can talk about business, we can talk about relationships, we can talk about um, communal growth or communal development, we can talk about a lot of things in in the community, in our faith, in our individual lives, but then the, 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 the aim of the gospel is defeated if it is drastically reduced to what we benefit. And that's the problem of poverty. And how it affects our ideology of the things God is doing in the body. So Apostle Paul began to alight to us the nature of the grace of God. So you will never be confused. It is a popular ascent in this nation in particular. Because I have listened to more preachers in this nation than in any other nation. Of the earth. That once... You are able to secure an employment that a hey, you shouldn't have secured by your own effort or competence. It is the grace of God. Okay, that when somebody just walk up your way and give and uh, and, and give you khakis that you were not looking for too, um, that it is the grace of God. Okay, that you had a windfall is the grace of God. No, They attribute every goodly things you could enjoy to the grace of God. Now the question is, what if tragedy strike you? Is that not the grace too? You know, I'm not here to argue, but I want us to maintain a rightful perspective of the things God is doing. And if there is anything I am doing and anything that interests me at all, I want to describe God as he had been described in the scriptures. You know, God is a god of goodness. In fact, he told the Moses, said, look Moses, I will make my goodness to pass before you. In other words, God is a God of thousand benefits. I don't know how to express that better, but I meant to say that God had Puts packages for us, humankind. But his goal is not just to give us packages, his goal is to make us to see him. Because when man fall, I mean mankind fall, man's ideology and perception of God was pervaded. We couldn't see God as we ought to. And now that we have been brought to him, it is very essential that we'll see God as he is, we'll see what is on his mind for us. Please never you forget as you are listening to me out there that the subject I'm reflecting on this morning is the product of God's grace. Actually, yesterday I have announced that I'm going to be talking about um, um, the relevance of salvation and faith. But then in, in my in my scheme here, I saw that grace and its product came first. And the thought I am reflecting on is that um, scriptures, Apostle James, um, Roads to us, he said, Every perfect and good gift comes from God, in whom there is no variableness no shadow of turning. And what I'm establishing from the scriptures is to see that God is consistent. You know, this week uh, we had a nice time studying the scriptures, and one of the emphasis we maintained all through this week as we studied in our devotional. Um, God in our devotional uh, time is the faithfulness of God. How that God cannot for any reason compromise who He is or compromise His standard for anyone. Okay? And and then we, 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 I begin to tie that up with what Apostle James said. That in this God there is consistency. There is no variableness, no shadow of any. Then when you begin to look at your life and you begin to see that things that worked in there are... Um, good and they are perfect, then you can be sure they came from God. All good, good and perfect comes from God in whom there is no vividness. My emphasis remains that there are futures by which we explain the things in our life. In other words, when you look at your life and you begin to see certain things, maybe you have a delay. Maybe in childbearing, maybe in marriage, maybe in finance, maybe uh, your own uh, delay is in childbearing. Like I've mentioned, you know, there are things in, in, in your home, certain trends that are not consistent and that brings pains or that is a threat to you or your health. You can know right away that that kind is not from God. Why? Because James said every good gift and perfect comes from God. So I understand. The operations of God in my life. Because once it is God, it must be good and perfect. Okay. That does not mean that it won't be painful. Okay, like the look at the situation of Apostle. possible. He said, look, I was, I had, I, had, I had a thorn in my body and the thorn actually gave me a tough time and I did all I could. I prayed that, hey, God would take a world of thorn. He said, look, the thorn will not leave. It was there in my flesh. It was not a pleasurable thing. If it were, it wouldn't have prayed that God should take it away. Okay, I'm not saying that hey, once it is God, it will always be rosy. It was not all rosy for the apostles. James chapter 1, verse 1, 1st Peter chapter 1, verse 1. You see their audience, they were, they were believers who have been brutal, who have been disappointed, who, who were in pains, who could not afford to pay their bills. And those apostles wrote to make us to understand that, that despite those pains, they are still accepted by God. According to Peter said, they are still elected. So the physical circumstances is not an attestation to my approval before God. So the point I'm bringing to you this morning is that we have got to know what the grace of God is. And that's what I want to do with. And already I have read from Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to 10. Now I'm going to take the scriptures um, contextually so that we can really see what the Lord is showing us here. And I've told you the end. The end of this is to see what the grace of God has in store for us and what he has brought for us. Okay, now here yeah, you begin to see that Apostle Paul begins to attribute God's dealing with mankind to his grace. And what is the grace of God? The grace of God are the things we benefited from God without paying a dime. We never labored for it. Okay, so when he said, oh, that job came when I was not expecting it, it's the grace of God really, but then in the context of the scripture, the grace of God is not what brings job. It must do what Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to 10 states it has to do in your life. Now there will be derivatives or implications of the functions of grace in your life because one thing about God's dealing with us and God's operations is that it is multifaceted. Okay, that is um, Ephesians chapter 3, I think verse 10. Apostle Paul said that um, he had been called to make known the riches of Christ, which is the money for the wisdom of God. God works in multiple ways. It's not just a one-side God. So I'm not saying that, hey, when the grace comes into your life, it must do certain things and leave some things undone. But now what I'm saying is that your emphasis should, play, should, 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 should be placed on the primary functions of what the grace is to give to you. Hallelujah. So now Apostle Paul said, look, we cannot the grace of God. When it is operating in your life, you can understand it. There are certain things it has to bring you. And from my scriptures here, and I've done in previous study, there are at least eight things the grace of God should give to you. Hallelujah! Mind you, what you call salvation, what you call redemption, what you call favor they are all packages of the grace of God. They are all expressions of God's grace in different dimensions. Let me get through the scripture, then I will take you through other scriptures. That there is nothing we have come to benefit from God outside the grace. Now, for instance, there is a scripture in Timothy where Apostle Paul, Paul wrote. He said, "The grace of God that brings about salvation." So even the salvation I come to brag to that hey, that God I'm saved. The grace of God is not a, uh, 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 it's not anything outside of the grace. The grace is one of the facets of the, of the. I mean, the salvation is one of the facets of the grace. So grace is an embodiment of all God is. Now let me show you a scripture. The Holy Ghost is. Bring it up right away. And I think uh, it is in um, 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 Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we come back to Ephesians chapter 1. Because we want to see what the grace brought, has brought to us. Hallelujah. Now Ephesians chapter um, chapter 2. Um, from verse 4. Am I in the right scriptures? Alright. I'm there. Okay. Hallelujah. Now I'll read. Okay, I'm going to read from verse 4. Then I will jump to 7. We want to look at what Apostle Paul explained to be grace. Maybe let me let me start with that. Let's first get familiar, uh, familiar with what Apostle Paul meant whenever he uses the word grace. And this is very key. Um maybe when we are done with that, we can look at what the grace of God does to us. And how God deals with us or treats us under the influence of his grace. But now let me read Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 4. And I will jump to verse 7. And from that scripture we want to pick the definitions of grace. But God was rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us. Now, this is the description of God. And never forget, our goal in this study over time is to see who God is, is to understand him. Last week, I I, I, I did a teaching on what I call the legal system of God. And one emphasis I maintained is that God is not an angry God. Okay? You know, we've had some... I don't know how to call them some, 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 some statements or teachings in the body of Christ. We never even try to question one of those is, is the teaching that claims that we are the Israel of today. I wonder where they got that from. That is not from the scriptures. I am not the Israel of today. The Israel as a nation is there. The Bible called me a white olive or a gentile that have been engrafted into the system of things. And, you know, I was listening to a preacher on the Facebook, I think, two or, th- I think two or three days ago, last week or so, or thereabouts. You know, the, the, the preacher actually took us through a scripture in um, Genesis chapter 11 where God was um, was giving a promises to the son of, 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 of Noah. And he began to give prophecies to Canaan. And after giving prophecy to Canaan, he said, Look, Canaan, this is your heritage with me, but I will bring Jephthah to participate in this heritage I have given to you. And the preacher went on to say, Look, went on to tell us that, okay, Jephthah is the father of the Gentiles, and then Canaan is the father of, of, of the Jews, because from that loans, Abraham came. I mean, Terah came, and from Terah, Abraham came, and all the seeds. But that's not the focus this morning. The focus I'm, I'm dealing with is that we want to see God now in the scripture we saw that god who is rich in mercy now the word rich in mercy there means that god is inexhaustible in the way he deals and treats he's above that you can't exhaust him he's rich in mercy for his great love so the mercy of god is the function of god's love you know some people have ever have have wondered if Uh, The love of God is different from the mercies of God and sometimes they wonder which of the two is greater and which one they should actually um, um, demand for or covet. Okay? But yet the word of God told us that the mercy of God is an offshoot of God's love. Is one of the ways the love of God is manifested. So when I receive God's message, then I receive it because He loves me. So it's an evidence of His love, you know. It's like a child walks into your presence and maybe you are glad to see the child. One of the fake signs that the child is welcome is the smile over you or that you stretch forth your hand to receive Him. So the mercy of God is the extension of the, of, of God's acceptance of me. So verse 1 is about God who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherein in love of us. I would have read from verse 3 so that you can see the contrast. Well, there's a contrast here in verse 3 of the scriptures. You saw that apostle Paul described us to be to have a life contrary to the which God expected. And despite the fact that we could not actually meet up with what is on God's mind, God has his laws, his love law toward us. Okay, then I went on to describe God is rich in mercy, he can save you, he loves you. Okay, so grace is the function of God's mercy. But I have not touched the reality I want to touch. Now, the the reality I want to touch is in verse uh, 7. And I read from 6 and 7. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, God... that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. Now, why have I seen the scriptures? I saw the scriptures because I want to draw your attention to how the grace came, or what led to the grace, or what the grace is composed of. Now, that verse 7 told us that God is doing something with mankind. He is not done with you yet. He has plans for you and his plans for you are intentional. They are orderly. They are well planned and they have been put in place. And this plan he had in place is not an act of charity. It's not just an act of having mercy on you because he doesn't want to die. But that this thing that God is doing is who God is. So God is kind enough. now. Check that scripture. It said that God in the ages to come because he wants to show the exceeding riches of his grace. And check it. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, you see, Apostle Paul kept on repeating the term riches of grace. That is the inexhaustible nature of God's grace. That what God had put in packet for you, and now we can't exhaust it. far beyond what you can you can you can just consume all alone and said look he wants us to know how rich his grace is and said that grace came out of his kindness so what is the grace of God the grace of God is the manifestation of God's kindness like we saw in verse 4 it is also the manifestation of God's love so both grace both the grace of God and the love of God are God's kindness hallelujah now, we further preach that by taking you to Romans, chapter 5. And we begin to see how Apostle Paul describes God's grace. And um, he didn't just describe the grace. He actually told us the nature of the grace and gave us synonyms to the grace. Then once we are done with this, I will take you back to the visions where we started to see the products of grace, what the grace will give to us. And I, like I've mentioned, there are eight things to pick from that scriptures. So, if you see God is working your life, there are eight things you have got to look forward to. So, Ephesians, I mean Romans chapter 5. All right. I'm going to read from verse 12 and let's see how far we can go. Maybe to 21. But let me start from 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Hmm, There's no time to explain that. Nevertheless, there to reign from Adam to Moses. Now, check the word Adam there. Well, we use it as a name here, but whenever you see Adam in scriptures, especially when God called him Adam, the word Adam means mankind. And if I want to take that lexium to explain the scriptures, you can explain it to me that Nevertheless, there is a rain from mankind, from the first mankind, even to the so-called righteous Moses who received the law. So, the matter of sin is not excluding anybody, regardless of the class you belongs to. Like I mentioned yesterday night, when I did a little recording, I mentioned that, look, sin does not exclude anyone. I like what John Wesley said, he said that uh, this sin will take you away from God's word and the word of God will take you away from sin. So it does not exempt anybody, even if you are born in the palace and sin there is no obvious sin or obvious evil around you, are still a sinner by nature. Death, which is a result of sin and sin is, the, is deviation of or diversion from God's original intention. Like Romans chapter 3, Ellen does it. It is the pasture away from God. It is the um, um, negligence or rejection of God, like Romans chapter 1 put it. So instead of sin brought about death, and I think James also assented that, that when a man conceives in his heart, he conceives lossfully, and when that loss grows, it leads to temptation, and when temptation grows, it brings about death. So the end result of death is, I mean, of sin is death. And this fact of death was the problem of mankind from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. People just kept on receiving the consequences of their sin. It was deep, but they could not just understand why things was like the way it was when they walked in that generation. But here, yeah, Apostle Paul explained to us that death reigned, that is, it rules the people. When says something rules, it, it it dominates the people. Little wonder, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 talks about the fact that we are dead in sin. So sin does not just only kill our spirit, it also steal our consciousness. It also overpower or overrides our will such that we can do what we want to do. That's the death of sin. It sees our emotions, it, it arises our will, it arises our volition, then at the end of it, it takes us to eternal dimension. Okay, yeah, the scriptures says that death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not seen after similitude of Adam's transgression with the figure of him that is to come. Now, let me quickly take those scriptures, you see, it's unfathomable can somebody eat a fruit or eat of a tree? And they said, I have fallen as a result. It does not make any sense. Uh, but before I explain that, you no, know, yeah, Apostle Paul said, Look, it's not whether you ate the fruit or you didn't eat the fruit. You know, I remember those days uh, when we offended mom and mom, we got every one of us and began to probe and most of the time she takes us to dad's room and dad say, hey, who had thing And I will say, hey, I did not eat it too. I did not eat it. All. I'm not the one. And oftentimes when a brother or a sister pick meat in the kitchen and you, and, and you were a witness, what she does is to give you a part of it. So when there is a probe, you will be implicated. And oftentimes, if after probing, mom and dad would not even know who had actually done that crime, they would have to flog every one of us. In other words, those who had not even eaten of the fish that is missing the pot really brought the, the, the punishment together. That was what Paul was saying. That We did not eat the fruit with Adam. But the fact was that we were in Adam when he ate the fruit because he carried the race of mankind in himself. So what affected him affected me. The assault he received, I received. The authority he lost, I lost. And check it, when God made Adam, he gave him all his authority. And what became so uh, interesting in the scripture is that uh, that when Adam lost that authority, in replacement of that authority, death came to reign. So the authority God gave Adam, inclusive in it is the power to rule death. Okay, and that was why after the fall, Adam never had any right to eat all the fruit of life. So even if you have not eaten the fruit, okay, but then you are still under the power of death if you have not received faith in Christ. If you have not accepted the atonement of Christ. If you have not accepted that Christ suffered for you. That's what the scripture is saying. A person can be the head of 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 an organization can even be the president of a nation regardless of who he is if such a person had not received eternal life had not come to acknowledge that what Christ did he did for him that person is a sin. Okay let me move on verse 15 but not as the offense. This way I'm going. And I'm trying to explain what the grace of God does. And I want to pick other synonyms that the Bible used in explaining the grace. God's grace is God's means of dealing with us regardless of our flaws. And that grace is the manifestation of God's kindness as we've just seen in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7. So the grace of God is not just a means of grace. It is God revealing who he is to us. That actually is no matter to you. That despite your own shortcomings, he had extended his arms of approval so that you can have what he has. Hallelujah. So here we saw how that Apostle Paul told us that. In verse fifteen, now I want to pay attention. I'm studying the scriptures, and that's why I've come here. Two things we are picking from the scripture. We are seeing the nature of God's grace because I'm studying the product of the grace. If this is not the result in your life, what you call grace, however beautiful, however what you are giving you, the past is not the grace of God. And the scripture I am using to drive this is the book of James. Forgi- forgive me, I will not give you the reference. And the Apostle James told us the nature of God's dealing with mankind. He said, every good and perfect gift comes from God. In other words, whatever anyone claims he receives from God must carry the nature of him that gives it. So if what comes into your life is not of this nature, then you can be so sure that it is not of God. That reminds me, uh, in one of the stories of Kenneth E. Egan. he said they went to a church to minister. I don't know what the subject was, but it was ministering. He said, as he was ministering in the Holy Ghost to the people, there was a woman that sits so close to the prophet. He said, as he was ministering, the woman was jacking and was destroying, the, disturbing the whole congregation. He said, he, he, she wonders, the meeting continued for this. Then after the meeting, he said, he had to walk up to the woman to hear how she came about that jacking. And he said, she, she enjoyed such a jacking. He said, a jacking or a groaning. One, one horrible, or horrible demonstration. Then when uh, he, he, he met the woman, he asked how come he, he came about that kind of manifestation in in, in, in in meetings. And the woman said it was it was a minister that came and the minister ministered the Holy Ghost to them. And ever since she had been laid and upon, she had been manifesting that kind. Ken king said, look, this is not God. This is not God. That reminds me again. Some years ago, I, I was in a church. A minister was ministering uh, on the prophet, and there was a demonstration of the power of God. People are, are quacking under the presence of God. Then, we ministers were in the congregation and then trying to uh, help the people up so they won't get themselves uh, injured. Okay? So, I was with a young lady. She was manifesting. As I stayed by, I was telling the other minister that we, that we were together. I said, This manifestation is not the Holy Ghost. Okay, I think the minister had invited to the public, those who want to receive the tongue, uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost, who want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So the lady came and she was demonstrating all kinds said this thing is not the Holy Ghost. Okay, she was muttering words, but you know, in my spirit I know because I have known the nature of God. Good and perfect comes from God. And when the power of God became intense, and a, a demon began to spoke out of her, saying I will not go out, no, no, I will not go out. And as the power of God hit her, she, 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 she had to fall under the power and then she was manifesting demons. Meanwhile, she came to receive the Holy Ghost. In other words, there is a trait of God's students. I don't just blindly say, hey, I receive things from God, and that thing is disturbing me. And that was what I quoted from the words of the ancient preacher, Solomon. He said that the blessings of the Lord makes rich, in other words, anything we receive from God, we know it's from God. Look at those seven-day elders in, 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 in the congregation of the Hebrews when they were in the wilderness. Moses was on the mountain and God said, look, I'm going to take out of your spirit and point on the elders. And when the power came upon the elders, there was a particular one amongst them that was, that was in the congregation. The power of God went there to eat them and people there huh, knew that something supernatural happened. So they went to Moses and they reported. And we say, look, that is the presence of God. In other words, we know when God is working. And that's why when you come to certain congregation, you just enter there, just that your spirit you did not agree. Check it, it's the Holy Ghost speaking to you. You don't need to see or to know how the church started. When you enter there, and God's presence is there, you understand it because we, we do not just have a foretaste of the spirit, we are the children of God, and Romans chapter 8 is that the spirit of God has to bear witness with my spirit, so I know when God is operating my life, so when I see certain delay if it is God that is causing that delay, I know, and if it is maybe the devil look at what Apostle Paul said, I think to the Corinthians Christian, he told the Corinthians Christian he said, look guys, I want to come to visit you but the devil has that me meanwhile, he wrote to the Roman Christians, he said, look guys, I want to come to you but I have not been allowed, meanwhile when he mentioned to the Roman Christians that he had not been allowed to visit them, he did not attribute that fact to the fact that a devil stood him, like he mentioned to the Corinthian Christians. So, a believer should be so wise that he can design God's operation in his life, he can design God's grace, and the emphasis I am making this one is that The grace of God should not just bring you money, should not just bring you employment, should not just bring you better relationships, should not just make you to live well, should not just make you to receive things you have not labored for alone, but you have got to see that it gives you what God intends to give you and that's what we want to see from the scriptures that's why I'm studying the scripture this morning I am still on verse 15 now Apostle Paul is explaining the grace of God as against the power that that had dominated mankind I read again but not as the offense in other words the offense that the fall at an operation at a system is, is a kind of software that governs man in a certain way then Apostle Paul said look there is another system that, super, that can superimpose that can reload the former system in that you work in another system. In other words, Apostle say, said, look, we know the way this system we have come into works. But not as the offense. So also is the free gift. But not as the offense. So also is the free gift. There's a problem with the scriptures, the way it appears. The use of English. But not as the offense. So also is the free gift. What that that that's that not grammatically correct. But let me quickly align the scripture. Now, yeah, that statement meant to tell us that the way the grace of God works is different from the way they work. Of the offense or the consequence of the offense of mankind works so when I am being afflicted by the devil in other words the system of the devil is the system of God you know there are believers who have carried a mentality that hey the reason why their life was like this was because they did something wrong in the past and now that they are born again they are filled with the Holy Ghost. they still believe that the reason why things is not working well for them was because somebody caused them years ago or that they did something wrong years ago. And they believe that, hey, God is not still pleased with them. Sometimes, I think I heard this from um, somebody, maybe my wife or somebody, when we discussed years ago. That there are people, God had forgiven their sins, but they are still carrying the guilt and the, and, and the regrets all around. God had forgiven them. And it's a major issue in the body of Christ. People have been forgiven by God, but they have not yet gone out of their past. They are still locked down in their past. They were still controlled, dominated, ruled by what they have done in the past. No, God does not operate this way. The scripture says that the grace works differently from the offense. Now, the offense talks about the transgression of Adam. But then we can, impl- by implication, apply it to mean uh, the system of darkness. You know, you can do something that your great-grandfather did four years ago. And because you are not born again, the devil can come to visit that sin over your life. Okay? That maybe your great-grandfather was a ritualist. Then four generations after, which is going to be about 200 years after, the devil can still penetrate and begin to afflict everyone because of the connection your great-grandfather had to, to uh, with him. But yeah, the Bible said that God does not work that way. Once you stepped into Christ, God had forgiven your past. You know, when we are growing up, uh, some one of the teachings we, we, we were exposed to is the father, hey, when well, you are born again now, and then you now died, so when you now get to heaven, there will be a screen. And in that screen, God will be showing the day you stole. Will show the day you do this. And God will be playing all you have done on earth. And that, there is nothing like that. Ah, uh, That is not in the scriptures there. The Bible says, I think that should be Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible says that your sins I will remember. Yes, Hebrews chapter 10. Your sins I will remember no more. No more. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So God operates differently. He won't say, hey, because you did this to mother five years ago, I will not give you this. It's not God who. That's the devil. So we've got to understand how God works. But not as the offense, so also the free gift. Now another word for the word free gift there is the word grace. Caris. And what I'm explaining here is the concept of grace. That grace is what to benefit from without paying What God did for me without my contribution. Now look at what happened in, in, in Genesis chapter 9. I, I think when I was doing this subject sometimes ago, I, I made reference to that scriptures. God told... Um, um, the, Is it Noah that built the ark? Yes, Noah. He said, look, guy, build an ark of um, gospel wood for me. I have seen the iniquity of the world, and I'm going to destroy the world. And the scripture said that Noah found grace. He found caries. You know, the scripture did not tell us that Noah was a righteous man. And I don't think that was an omission, because when you see the, the book of Luke chapter one, the Bible said that there were two married guys. His it, name was Zachariah and the, the name of the wife was um, Anna. is he Anna, the mother of um, John the Baptist? Zachariah and Elizabeth, okay? The Bible said they were both striking in age and they were righteous before God, righteous in the law, okay? But the scripture never told us that Noah was righteous. So when God wanted to judge the then the Bible said Noah had to find grace, a means of escape. So grace is a means of escape. Now what did Noah did to make him escape that? He did nothing. After the world of God, today, that Noah was a perfect man in all his generation. He was not he was a bad man before God. He was a prophet at this. To some extent, he lived a life different from the way his colleagues or his contemporaries lived. But what actually saved them is the grace of God. I wish I can go to the scriptures, but well, that's not my focus this morning. So the grace is what we came into without our labor. And you know... It's just beyond the job. That is it. I want to show you that it's what you came into. But it's not only the job. It has to do with certain things God has put in place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you from Ephesians chapter 1. Very simple. Let's get through. Just stay with me. Alright. Okay. Okay. Verse 15, see, the second part. For if through the offense one man be dead, much more the grace of God. Now, see the repetition of the word, the grace of God, the charis of God. The the, the, the word, the charis, X-T-O, ek, means the grace of God. And the gift by grace. I, I, I like this. You know, years ago when I was studying these scriptures, I, I can't just fathom. Apostle Paul spoke of two things in this verse 15 one, he spoke of the grace of God and number two, he spoke about the gift by the grace. That is mind blowing. So the grace actually brought something. Let me read it again so you can hear. For if through the offense of one man, many be dead, much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace. The gift by the grace. So there is the grace of God, which we call the kindness of God, which is the free gift of God. And in that grace, God intends to do or to strike a deal with us, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, as abundant to many, and not as it was by one. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned. So is the free gift for the judgment was by one. To condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man offence death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace now. I want to draw your attention to something we kept on repeating. Now, you see Apostle Paul calling or using an adjective, um, um, a nominal adjective, to describe the grace. It causes the abundance of grace. Now, in the Ephesians, it causes the riches of grace. Sometimes we will call the exceeding greatness of his grace. In other words, he want to show to us how God is unfathomable in his dealings with us. And that was why he said, look, the grace works differently from the offense. Those who receive uh, um, um, the the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 16, I I drew your attention to something. I said, Apostle Paul talked about the grace of God, which is the free gift that which I have not labored to have. And then I also mentioned that he said that there is the grace and there is the gift of the grace. Now, in verse 18, he began to make us understand what came by the grace. That this is what the grace must give to you. That is the focus. If it had not given you this what to call grace, is not grace. So it's not just hey, saying it's grace of God. You know, I heard somebody say, and I keep on saying it. This time I say it, my wife does not like to hear it. But it's a fact. I don't know how she said it. She said, we are not grace made. What? What is the meaning of that? Maybe she's using that word casually, but that word is is, 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 should not just be used loosely. The grace of God had appeared to all the of who you are. The same grace that saved our fathers in faith, I don't want to mention names, that would sound rude. is the same grace that saved me. But the reason why we are not on the same pedestal in our walk with God is because we have not pressed onto this at the same point. You know, there are people I have taught guitar. I mean, guitarists. I've, I've taught certain people guitars. Now, when they are performing, I will go hide my head. Why? I start praying before them. I say realizing before them. Well, because they have paid more attention to how to operate that uh, electronics more than I do. They do perform more than I do. The same way the grace of God. You know, it it's meant to function that the more I spend on it, the more uh, um um the more I'm able to uh, to to um. To have his dividends delivered to me or his benefits delivered to me. So, yeah, Apostle Paul talks about the grace and the gifts. Now, the word gift means the carries ex. eggs. Charis, um the gift of the grace will be uh the carries ex eggs, the gift, which is the carries the gift by the grace. And he told us that he said the gift by the grace is righteousness. So, our hand is tied. What should come out of the grace of God that I said I've received? There must be righteousness. So, the grace of God brought me to the place where I can live as I ought to live. So, it's not the gift that accomplishes the grace, but that my life is appropriate. So, you don't go and falsify if you go in your, your workplace and you say that you have received the grace of God, you are a thief. That's not righteousness. Righteousness means being plain, being straightforward, being honest, being decent, being orderly, living as you ought to live. That you are doing the deal, and somebody walk up to you and say, "Look, we have observed your diligence, and because of that, we are giving you this." That's an offshoot of the of of the grace. Now, what brought about that? The grace brings you into the consciousness of living rightly, and right your rightly living brought you in favor with men. That is the implication of the operations of grace. Of grace. Don't go and steal and call it grace. Okay. Okay, let me stop there. We've been able to see from the scriptures how that the grace of God um, brings about righteousness. Now, let me go back to the main scriptures as a round roundoff. Um, I just have about seven minutes more, um, to make an hour in doing this um, discussion, uh, and I've been reading from I, I read from Ephesians chapter one from verse three to ten. Now, yeah, I want to show you ten, eight things that the grace of God brought for us. Eight things. Now, verse four. Let me start from this four. He said that having predestinated us unto adoption by children, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace now check it he predestinated us as adoption by what extent by what means he said that he did it by his grace so that we can praise his grace and what is about the grace he said wielding he has made us accepted in the beloved you know that was the my sonship my adoption as a child of god is the function of the grace and said look when i begin to see this my heart to be filled with gratitude because you can't see what grace has offered that you that is. A tyrant sinner that is to be condemned, that is to be judged, that to be that to be an outcast. I've been brought into the presence of God, and as you begin to fathom, you begin to appreciate you begin to see vividly what the grace had offered you. In that you be you that we are nobody, you were you were a nobody, you cannot approach God. You have now been brought in. Now you can relate to the Father. The Scripture scriptures so that then your heart will be filled with praise. Now I read that verse again. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. That is, he made us his children by Jesus Christ unto himself. So this grace is available by Jesus Christ. And this grace is the function of what God had in mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Alright, I don't know what is wrong with my electronic Bible. It's coming up and down. Okay, now verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. Now, see, to each of the things Paul kept on mentioning, he was mentioning to grace. He said, look, he made you his children because of his grace. Verse 7 says that, in him we have redemption. Now, check the word redemption. Now, the word redemption is the Greek word Apollutrosis and apolytrosis has two root word. We have the word apo. I have Apo means to take away from a state, and lutrosis means to pay a price for it. It's just like you go to the market, you want to buy a product, and when you go there, before you are allowed to take away the product, you are um what's it called? Um, you are asked to pay for the product. So he said we receive. Um, redemption, that is God take us from where we used to be, take us from our old kind of life Uh, cleanse us from the debts that has characterized our life because of his grace all right and it says that and we have received the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace now check the way apostle purpose here the riches of his grace now in verse 8 he said wherein he had abundant toward us in all wisdom and prudence now he said that inside this grace also is the wisdom of god and the prudence now you know the word wisdom in the greek word is the word sophia and it talks about the ability to bring into practice that which you have known and there is another one called phronesis Fronesis is different from wisdom in that Fronesis has to do with your discretion or what you call initiative. That is, even in the grace of God, there is an initiative. So, you cannot be a believer and you are stupid. That's what the scripture is telling us. You can't be stupid. Okay? Somebody came and wants to dupe you and is trying to swindle you here and there and try to deceive you and trying to mount pressure on you to make a quick decision and you don't know as to whether to do and not to do. Why don't you step into that grace? Why don't you step into that grace? Nobody should receive you. Say, so in the grace is the prudence of God, is the wisdom of God, is the forgiveness of sin, is our, our redemption, is my adoption as children. Now, verse 9. Have you made known unto all the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has proposed in himself? So the end result of the grace is that it makes known to me what God has in mind. Hallelujah. So this is the word of the Lord for you this morning.